Welcome to Truth Transistor Radio. This is the most awesomest podcast of all time. I'm your host, Rob Hedrick. This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs 1618. Pride going before destruction. Hello, Truth Transistors. Welcome to episode 14, which I will call Apostasy Part 2, Kabbalah. And uh, this will be quite interesting. It's, it's really related to the mystery schools' beliefs. And it was touched on in the final uh, William Cooper episode I did. Um, check that out but he talks he gets more into the apostasy of churches at the end of it and how it came in and infiltrated God's people he didn't talk as much about uh, Jewish mysticism but he he mentioned Kabbalah in it Um, and this is something I only found out about maybe like a year ago so uh, this is pretty fresh on my mind but um, when I when I heard it after several years of listening to William Cooper and the Mystery Babylon series, um, it rung, I mean, I immediately was like, wow, that's exactly what the uh, mystery schools believe. And come to find out some, you know, and we'll we'll be talking about this more, but like occultists uh, 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 support Kabbalah and everything. So we're going to talk about that today. But first, I'd like to rant a little bit about this election. Now, first of all, I find it fascinating, the hypocrisy of the two parties. (laughs) Um, My first reaction to what is happening right now, and what I mean is that the Republicans are still fighting for office. They're claiming fraud in the voting. And... Nobody's reporting that, but it's true. But, I mean, it is the case, so it isn't a done deal yet. Uh, But I was thinking about four years ago when the same thing happened and Hillary was claiming that the Russians helped Trump win. And everybody that's a Republican, you know, pretty much denied that the the Russians had anything to do with it. And the Democrats, uh, the ones I've talked to, mostly say, oh, it's, it's proven. The Russians were behind it. And now it's the opposite. So now most Republicans say, oh, it's proven that there's fraud and, and we've got to check this out. And the Democrats are like, there's nothing there. You know, the all the mainstream media is saying there's nothing there. Uh, even Fox, um, for whatever reason, is like, well, you know, there might be fraud, but let's just concede and and it's not going to, he's not going to get the, uh, get it back and blah, blah, blah. So, so there's very, very few people that are reporting that, you know, on these, uh, these lawsuits and, and litigations. Um, I've heard some, uh, conservative talk shows that are saying this and they're a little more optimistic about Trump getting back in, uh, and so, you know, I don't know, I really don't know what's going to happen. But I do find the hypocrisy uh, in, 
fascinating and that people just believe what they want to believe. You know, in in the first episode, I said my journey towards truth. And I when I said that all I care about is what the truth is, you know, I I really it doesn't matter what I want to believe because if if what I want to believe is true, then I'll say, well, somehow Ron Paul is going to get in there. <laughs> um, no, that's not how I think. You know, so I, I've noticed this about a lot of people is that they're just so convinced of what they believe or what they want to believe or that they're right is true that they'll only listen to the media that they support or that they agree with. And then everybody else is just, you know, fake news. <laughs> and uh, this is just frustrating to me as a truth seeker. And that term gets kind of uh, overused. But yeah, I mean, just depending on which media source you listen to, I think the one that I've heard recently on YouTube that I don't really know much about, they could be something similar to QAnon, I don't know. But on YouTube, it's called MTB, I think. Um, anyway, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's something like MTB, but they're very like, they, they're talking as if, oh, the, uh, you know, there's so much evidence and he's going to get back into office and all this stuff. And, you know, and of course, if you listen to other news sources, they'll say, um, he, they've already lost all the, you know, they're, they've already been denied everything and it's over, blah, blah, blah. And just depending on who you want to listen to is who you believe. And I I just listen to all of them, and I don't believe any of them. <laughs> the one guy I do believe is Ron Paul, um, which, you know, he he has a YouTube channel called The Liberty Report, which I, I uh, subscribe to and I recommend. Um, but he seems to be pretty consistent with his views and ideology. He's not a Trump supporter. He's not an, a Biden supporter. Um, but he has said that there is a lot of evidence for fraud, for voter fraud. Um, and so, you know, we'll see how that goes. And, and for some reason, when I say this, and I, I mentioned this on my Facebook page, that there seems to be a lot of evidence um, and that this is not over yet, but the media is not reporting it. And the response I got was people accuse me of being a Trump supporter, which is ridiculous. I mean, you know how what that made me think of is um, as a Cowboys fan, I'm predicting them to lose their next game. That doesn't mean that I'm rooting against them. Uh, well, maybe in a sense I am because I want them to get a higher draft pick. But um, but still, like, if you're being objective and you're just saying, I think the Cowboys are going to lose or whatever team you root for, it doesn't mean that you're rooting against them or that you don't like the team. It just means that you that's what you're, you think is realistic, you know. Um, so, you know, I... Uh, and I think the same thing is true with what I'm saying here is I predict that maybe there's more to these litigations and lawsuits than the media is letting us on to and that Trump could very well be back in office. I also heard 
a possibility that the Electoral College could select him even though he didn't win the uh, general, uh, you know, the election, that it's only happened once in history, I think, where the Electoral College selected somebody different than what the people voted for. So, you know, I don't know if that'll happen. I mean, it it's only happened, I think, once back in the 1800s. But, you know, we'll see. But that is, you know, it is it is constitutional. So but of course, people are going to be up in arms if that happens as divided as things are now. And just to make, you know, I'm not a prophet, so I'm not here to prophesy or anything like that. But just to make a, a little prediction of realistically how I think this is going is that if Trump gets back in and is president again in you know 2021 and swears in again that uh obviously as much upheaval and rioting as there's been on the left in 2020 you can imagine how much worse that will get people and something that i said and again i don't want to say that i hope this will happen but like if if that leads to, um, let's say that it gets overturned, and then at the same time it gets overturned, another black guy gets shot by a cop. I mean, just I mean, that's kind of overkill in terms of messing with people's emotions. Um, on the other hand, oh, and, and also what I was going to say was that if things got way out of hand with the writing that Trump will bring about martial law. I mean, he's already threatened to and has in certain places. But um, anyway, I it, so that's another reason I don't support Trump. But, uh, you know, honestly, um, the other possibility is that Biden continues to win, even though, let's say, a lot of evidence comes out that Biden, well, there was fraud that you'll have the equivalent of Antifa on the right and they will start to to have similar rioting and burning down buildings as the uh, Antifa did and this was is another place that hypocrisy could come in now again I'm not prophesying I'm just saying I could imagine this happening this seems like the way things could pan out and the hypocrisy could come out full-fledged <laughs> by uh, the people in the false left-right paradigm. But, like, I had many friends on the left that supported Antifa that said it's necessary to burn down these buildings because they don't, you know, because uh, that's what, what it'll take to stop police brutality or racism and all that, which I think is ridiculous. Um, obviously, I think we need reform in the in the police, but... What I was going to say is that what if Biden wins and despite all the if there's a lot of proof that there was fraud and you have this uh, right equivalent to Antifa, sort of a, an extremist group for the right that does all these protests and burns down buildings and people that are conservatives defend it because, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and everybody is the opposite of what they were a year ago. 
or this year. Um, don't, you know, don't be surprised. I've seen several instances in the past where there's left-right hypocrisy, where they only see the weak, the uh, what is wrong with the other people on the other side and not what's wrong with themselves. They ignore everything wrong with themselves um, on, on their party line, whatever. And that's what I've seen happen. So that's just a way that things could pan out. <laughs> but regardless, uh, to all the Christians out there, our hope is not in Trump or Biden. Our hope is not in America. Our hope is not in any any person in the church. I would even say if Ron Paul got elected, that's not where our hope is, even though I like Ron Paul. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And whenever we're going through difficult times, knowing that it's very possible we could be near the end times, and I believe we'll be the church will be here during the tribulation, but I think uh, it's very possible things will get worse persecution could come soon blah 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 you know the whatever so but despite all that no matter how bad things get read revelation 20 21 and 22 the last three book chapters of the bible and that is where the hope is and the hope is only good i mean it's either really good or really bad for you you got to make sure you're on the right side of that because that's the be-all, end-all. That's where everything, you know, the eternity is at stake. You know, are you going to be have eternal, um, eternal paradise with Christ and live forever? Or are you going to be thrown into the lake of fire in, that final, in this final judgment? So um, if you are in Christ, our hope, is in that final judgment that all evil will be done away with. There will be no more sin, no more death, no more suffering, you know. So anyway, I just wanted to say that. But uh, before we get into the main topic, I would like to share a comedic bit from an audio tape from my childhood with my cousin as we were messing we would uh, do a lot of silly things and record it on cassette tape and I recently had it transferred to digital so anyway it's kind of maybe kind of silly and dumb but I'm going to share it anyway made by Robbie and Eli I don't know, but I want to do it more. 
comedian bit was brought to you by nobody (laughs) i think that was around 1990 when my cousin and i were about 10 years old uh or so (laughs) so yeah um okay so what i would like to do is start with the person that exposed kabbalah or you know that i first heard about this from and that is deanne loper and you can find all kinds of interviews of her on youtube and and places um a little bit of her background she came out of the new age movement and a lot of like um i think witchcraft and things and then after she became a Christian, she heard about this Kabbalah stuff and realized that a lot of their doctrines were similar to what she had been taught. And thus, you know, as a New Ager, you know, when she wasn't a Christian and she was like, wait, this is not right. And she was surprised that a lot of some pastors were uh, heavy into this stuff and promoting it. So, um So what I'd like to do is start by reading the introduction to this book by Diane Loper, Deanne Loper, called Kabbalah Secrets Christians Need to Know, an in-depth study of the kosher pig and the gods of Jewish mysticism. I would really recommend getting this book um, and listening to her, you know, interviews on YouTube if they're still up. There's a lot of censorship going on right now, I know. Okay, introduction, the leaven of Kabbalah. First, she puts a verse here. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5. Paradigm shift means it's a an important change that happens when the usual way of thinking about or doing something is replaced by a new and different way a fundamental change reading the title of this book one might ask why do christians need to know the secrets of kabbalah for the last several decades the church has been the particular target of a massive flood of books and teachings on mysticism, specifically on the form of Jewish mysticism or Kabbalah. The result of this demonic campaign has been a, quote, departure from the faith, unquote, as many Christians are now looking to the wisdom of the rabbis for answers to their spiritual questions. Like the Gnostics, the Kabbalists view secret knowledge as the path to immortality. Mingled with Bible terminology, these secrets are subtly presented as a means of discovering one's hidden destiny and as a way of becoming more like God. And remember, in the William Cooper series, he mentioned that the mystery school's religion is rooted in the lie of the serpent that man can become as gods through the tree of knowledge of good and evil, through intellect. Even as mystical teachings are being covertly brought into the church, what is more astonishing is that many rabbis are openly proclaiming Kabbalah as the only salvation of the world 
and that this salvation can only be brought about by a global adherence to the law. This book will attempt to uncover the deception by be giving a detailed description of what Kabbalah is and equip believers to recognize it in its morphed form of Christianity. It will also demonstrate that the God of today's Babylonian and Kabbalistic Judaism is not the God of the Bible, and that the current convergence of Christians coming under rabbinic authority will bring them not to the one true God of the Bible, but to the subservience of the God of Kabbalah, Ein Sof. That's spelled E-I-N space S-O-F. I guess that's a different language. Um, and to its hierarchy of gods. The two main sources... Now, this seems kind of strange because Jewish people claim to be... Uh, uh, what do you call it? They believe in one God, right? Um, but, of course, in this twisted doctrine, they twist things. The two main sources of Jewish doctrine are the Babylonian Talmud and Kabbalah. The Babylonian Talmud is a commentary on the Mishnah, an extensive collection of Jewish legends, fables, and oral law, which is considered in some branches of Judaism as divinely inspired as the Old Testament. Kabbalah has been defined as a mystic, mystical commentary on the Torah. The word Kabbalah means to receive and may be viewed as the umbrella under which all Jewish esoteric books are contained. The primary, the primary texts of Kabbalah are the Zohar, the Book of Splendor, and the Sefer Yetzirah, the Book of Formation. These are there, I'm sorry, there are also lesser writings with such titles as the Book of Mysteries, the Gate of Reincarnations, and the widely known Third Book of Enoch. Now I'm going to bring up Enoch in a little bit um, when I get more into what they believe. The Babylonian Talmud has aptly been called the Sea of Talmud for its endless debates on Torah interpretation, as every word and every letter can have 70 meanings. I assume this is in the Hebrew letters. As an extension of the Talmud, Kabbalah is sometimes referred to as the wine of Torah, so named for the distillation process of knowledge whereby the initiate undergoes a spiritual transmutation process likened to the art of the medieval alchemist in his secret laboratory. What is important to understand is that Kabbalah cannot be separated from its Babylonian origins and is considered a vital part of Judaism. Now, one of the things Satan, I think, likes to do, because um, we just read that each word or letter can have 70 different meanings, is Satan likes to make things so complex that it makes you believe that you cannot understand it unless you go through this process of knowledge and anything else is just guessing and trying to understand in a, uh, you know, esoteric, um, as, as William Cooper used the terms esoteric and exoteric, I think exoteric is the, I think, plain meaning of the text, whereas esoteric is the deeper meaning or whatever. And this is the purpose of a guru or of a high priest or somebody that is supposed to 
guide you and lead you and tell you exactly what it means. In other, and so we're not supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. Where I guess we're supposed to be led by these human leaders that are, you know, telling us through traditions and what they were taught. Um, and and honestly, I think this is dangerous. I believe that if you are saved and you have the Holy Spirit and you read the Scriptures, and sometimes in prayer, you know, through prayer we need to ask God to help us understand because sometimes it's our own traditional teaching that is causing us to to get confused when once you understand what it really is saying like when it plainly says I should say and you kind of take out what you've been taught it makes it a lot easier and then you're like oh yeah that's exactly what it says why didn't I see that before well it's because you were told it meant something else anyway Um, okay, there's a quote here. I'm trying to see who wrote this, uh, in the book here. It just says, what is important to understand is that Kabbalah cannot be separated from its Babylonian origins and is considered a vital part of Judaism. Quote, some modern exponents of the Kabbalah claim that it it is a separate religion distinct from Judaism. This claim is not only untrue, it is self-destructive. The Kabbalists call Jewish mysticism the Pardes, meaning the garden. Kabbalah is a living, breathing spirituality that is nourished by the rich soil of Jewish wisdom and practice. While one can taste the teachings of Kabbalah, even without being particularly observant of Judaism, you can't detach it from its source. Kabbalah is the heart of Judaism, unquote. Um, and I'm trying to see, I don't see who, it says I, so it's probably at the end of the chapter where it tells who said that. Um, but I don't see it. Anyway, um, but it's interesting because in my limited research, and maybe somebody else can correct me here, but I could not find, I did a search that says Jews against Kabbalah. Just curious if, you know, because like in Christianity, there's different denominations, and then you've got these apostate Christian groups and these, you know, uh, whatever. There's different levels of different denominations and, and apostasies within Christianity. So I wondered if this was some sort of extreme uh, form of Judaism, like a liberal end of it, and then you have your Orthodox Jews that are against Kabbalah. So I looked up Jews against Kabbalah, and honestly, I could not find any. But I'm sure, you know, I could be corrected. I I have to do more searching. And if you know, please comment and let me know if that if there is. Okay, so this book will further show that the God of Kabbalah is none other than Lucifer, the serpent and angel of light, whom the sages prophesy will restore knowledge to humanity on a global scale, just as he did in Genesis. The Kabbalah reveals the identity of its God as an imposter and and usurper from the beginning, as seen in this quote from the Zohar. Quote, He is the great beginning, the mystery of all mysteries, the great source of all being and creation, the primal light that enlighteneth every man that cometh into the world, unquote. So, again, 
uh, they're just like William Cooper said of the mystery schools. Uh, when you go through Jewish uh, the Jewish uh, initiations, you will start to see the Bible upside down from what it plainly says. While there are many forms of Jewish mysticism entering the church, none stand out more than Rabbi Itzka. It's Itzhak. Itzhak. I T Z H A K. Itzhak Shapira's book, The Return of the Kosher Pig. Before re reading the, the book, I had yet to encounter a more overtly Kabbalistic objective of the kingdom of God as presented by Shapira and set forth by the rabbis of Kabbalah, who sadly, for the most part, rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. I first heard of Rabbi Shapira in a video interview discussing his book. Many of his statements were deeply disturbing, such as the claim that when Yeshua returns, he will destroy Edom, those Christians who are not aligned with the current state of Israel. I found the statement by Shapira to be completely unwarranted because the security of the believer in Jesus rests on the testimony of Christ and his atonement on the cross for sin, not on an individual's political alignments in this world. Much of the subject material in Shapira's book is deeply rooted in the Kabbalistic tenets of past Jewish sages. Uh, and I should quickly mention here that basically he's saying when Yeshua returns to destroy Edom, he's defining Edom as Christians who are not aligned with the current state of Israel. Uh, it's kind of a subtle way of saying it's the church. Um now, of course, a lot of Christians do support the current state of Israel, but um, I think, you know, anyway. Uh, among his strange doctrines, Shapira draws on an array of rabbinic sources to show that Yeshua is Metatron, the fallen angel who gives knowledge to mankind and a prominent figure in the writings of Kabbalah and the Babylonian Talmud. Equally disturbing is Shapira's consistent use of gematria, which is Jewish divination, and has uh, and his definition of redemption, which echoes the voices of the rabbis before him, as will be explained in this book. Since the time I saw that first interview, Shapira has shared platforms with some of today's leading evangelical Christian personalities, all of whom adhere to the popular message of a political Zionist Israel-centered gospel versus the incorruptible gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of all scripture. Uh, and real quickly, I would like to mention uh, a guy named Chris White who's on YouTube uh, his YouTube channel is called Verse by Verse he's also got a podcast uh, I don't know which um, what his podcast name is but anyway um, Verse by Verse Chris White look up those um, he believes through his study of scripture and I'm not completely convinced but I do think there is a lot of truth to this he believes that Mystery Babylon will be the end times uh, Israel. In other words, that the Antichrist will present himself as the Jewish Messiah and create the most, you know, that 
Israel will become the uh, center, the ruling center of the world. Um, and I'm, you know, I think that the people at the top, obviously, Kabbalah is deeply connected to uh, the mystery schools. And so there is some truth to that. Um, I'm not convinced it is Mystery Babylon, but I am. I, th I do think there is something to uh, the Antichrist presenting himself as the Jewish Messiah. So, um, so I think, and I'll also state that I was listening to, and this is kind of, I'm kind of sidetracking here, but I think I'll mention it now. Rabbi uh, Tovia Singer, Singer um, he's debated some Christians about Jesus being the Messiah, and he's obviously against Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, I've listened to some of his explanations of biblical doctrine, you know, and things, and somebody asked him what the Messiah will look like. And he said, well, if you look at Jesus, just think the opposite. And I was like, whoa, this you know, he's, he seems like a pretty conservative uh, Jewish rabbi. Um, but the fact that he believes that the, the true Messiah will be the opposite of Jesus is pretty scary. That means that at least he and perhaps most rabbis are looking for somebody more like the Antichrist. If it's the opposite that they're looking for, right? So uh, as I continue reading here, as with any work on this subject, many will label the book as anti-Semitic, when in reality it is simply a compilation of Kabbalistic methods of enlightenment which are based on doctrines of demons. If the book bears any label, it is anti-Babylonian mysticism, anti-Kabbalah, and most of all, anti-Luciferian. In 1 Corinthians 1.19, the Apostle Paul referred the prophecy of Isaiah 29:14 that the foolishness of preaching the cross is the power of God to both destroy the wisdom of the wise and to save them that believe. And I also want to point out in Revelation 2 verse 9 says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And, you know, I, <laughs> the, the claim is, now if you read most uh, historians today, they would say Kabbalah started in the Middle Ages, and it may very well have, but they believe it started back before, you know, thousands of years ago, before Christ, um, some suggest they started in, in Babylon, and maybe that's where they got their traditions from and their beliefs from. But Jesus um, also referred to the Pharisees, um, the way he spoke to them. Um, I kind of wonder if they were already Kabbalistic at that point and in the mystery schools or what have you, uh, teaching you know doctrines of the devil. Uh, okay, so back to the book. Um, Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. Uh, 
For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. The wisdom of Kabbalah cannot be received without drinking from the cup of Babylon. I think it's interesting she used that term because mystery Babylon, it talks about a cup in her hand, etc. As Kabbalah imposes a mystical, esoteric interpretation into the scriptures, it is chilling to note that the rabbis repeatedly relate stories from Kabbalistic literature, the same sources Shapira references in his book, which describes degrees of initiation in which the adept must journey past the seven heavens and through the doorways of the seven palaces by means of secret names and seals, either upon his person or in his mind. The church today is at a crossroads as one of the best-selling books among Christians is the Israel Bible, a Bible without Jesus. The Bible warns of false prophets and teachers secretly bringing in heresies to the point of denying the Lord Jesus, 2 Peter 2.1. 1 John 4.1-6 tells us that we are to test the spirits of truth and error because many false prophets are gone out into the world in Revelation 2 2, Jesus commanded the church of Ephesus for testing those who claimed to be apostles and found them to be liars. The same holds true today. Growing within the church is a wide body of rabbis who impress audiences with their extensive knowledge of ancient mysteries that are hidden in Scripture. What is not easily discerned is that the, these mysteries are rooted in and the traditions of Babylon and Kabbalistic doctrines which arose out of Egyptian and Chaldean occultism. It stands to reason, therefore, that these same teachers, illuminated in esoteric Judaism, must also understand the dark sentences of the craft of Kabbalah. Step by step, we are witnessing a gradual metamorphosis, a transformation of the gospel in which the centrality of the position of Jesus Christ in Scripture is slowly being replaced by another gospel, another spirit, another Jesus, another kingdom, and the voice of the bridegroom still calls, Come out of her, my people. So that's the end of the uh, introduction to the book, and I would encourage you to get it. And I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to play a song here first by a group called Danielson, who's kind of an artistic indie Christian music, music artist. And this song is called Cutest Little Dragon. When I believe that the skin will give peace to my inners, only winners are those me, 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 me conspiracies. Enemies of the spirit of the truth the soothsayers talking down my gentle rare dragon slayer that dragon ain't the love sweet love that dragon ain't the love sweet love that dragon ain't the love that dragon ain't the love that dragon ain't the love sweet love the rubber necker no lover, he's a wrecker of the family of ties. Now a word for his wives. If you see him checking out my little sister, tell that 
mister that his thoughts is quite contrary And her brother's is big and scary The tech was and I will leave a link below. Uh, I, I really like their music. They're very creative. It's not pop music. Again, it's, it's uh, creative. So if you like it, check them out. I'm not getting paid to promote them or anything, and hopefully I don't get in trouble. Um, I'm kind of picking lesser-known artists. There's a less chance of getting flagged that way. Um, but, you know, anyway. So continuing on here, um, I, I just read the introduction to Deanne Loper's book, Exposing Kabbalah. But now to even go deeper or to to even um, make it look worse, I guess you could say, expose Kabbalah even further. I'm reading a chapter from Manly P. Hall's book, The Secret Teaching of All Ages. If you don't know who Manly P. Hall is... Here in Wikipedia, it says uh, he was a uh, an astrologer and mystic, best known for his work, The Secret Teachings of All Ages. And uh, also, he wrote books like The Lost Keys of Freemasonry, so that should tell you something. The Initiates of the Flame, the first published book by Hall. Uh, the Adepts series. Um, so a lot of kind of occult, secret society kind of books. The Guru of His Disciple, The Way of the East. Um, you know, I could go on and on. But basically, he was an occultist. He was a Luciferian, a Satanist. Um, and maybe he would just consider himself a Luciferian, not a Satanist, because they think it's two different things. But anyway, I'm going to read a chapter. This is chapter... It uh, doesn't have a chapter number here. Um, but it's page... 311 in the book uh, and of course there might be different editions of this let me look at the 
Yeah, okay, the uh, chapters are not numbered, so I'm not going to even try. But the name of this chapter is the Kabbalah, the Secret Doctrine of Israel. <coughs> Albert Pike, quoting from Transcendental Magic, thus sums up the importance of Kabbalism as a key to Masonic esotericism. So they're basically telling you, I mean, I'm. this is me talking now. He's basically telling you, or Albert Pike, quoting Albert Pike, who's another uh, occultist, that mis, um, Kabbalism and, and the Masonic esotericism is connected. Um, it says, quote, One is filled with admiration on penetration into the sanctuary of the Kabbalah at seeing a doctrine so logical, so simple, and at the same time so absolute. The necessary union of ideas and signs, the consecration of the most fundamental uh, necessary union of ideas and signs. Oh, sorry. Uh, I keep reading the same line. Uh, realities by the primitive characters, the trinity of words, letters, and numbers. A philosophy simple as the alphabet, profound and infinite as the word. Uh Infinite, yeah. Uh, theorems more complete and luminous than those of Pythagoras. A theology summed up by counting on one fingers, on one's fingers, an infinite, which can be held in the hollow of an infant's hand, ten ciphers and twenty-two letters, a triangle, a square, and a circle. These are all the elements of the Kabbalah. These are the elementary principles of the written word, reflection of that spoken word that created the world. And that was in, that's unquote, Morals and Dogma, which is a book by Albert Pike, <coughs> another occult book. So remember in the uh, Deanne Loper's book, she said that they, th they say the creator was somebody else, um, was actually uh, Ein Sof or whatever. Um, Hebrew theology was divided into three distinct parts. The first was the law, the second was the soul of the law, and the third was the soul of the soul of the law. <clears throat> the law was taught to all the children of Israel. The Mishnah, or uh, the soul of the law, was revealed to the rab rabbins and teachers, but the Kabbalah of the soul of the soul of the law was cunningly concealed and only the highest initiates among the Jews were instructed in its secret principles. According to certain Jewish mystics, Moses ascended Mount Sinai three times, remaining in the presence of God 40 days each time. During the first 40 days, the tables of the written law were delivered to the prophet during the second 40 days, he received the soul of the law, and during the last 40 days, God instructed him in the mysteries of the Kabbalah, the soul of the soul of the law. Now, of course, this is according to Manly P. Hall. I don't believe any of this. Moses concealed in the first four books of the Pentateuch the secret instructions that God had given him, and for centuries, students of Kabbalism, Kabbalism, <clears throat> have 
sought therein the secret doctrine of Israel. As the spiritual nature of man is concealed in the, his physical body, so the unwritten law, the Mishnah and the Kabbalah, is concealed within the written teachings of the Mosaic Code. And I just want to point out, because the first time I heard about Bible codes was in the movie The Omega Code. I don't know if anybody's seen that, but it was a Christian end times movie that claimed that you can find uh, hidden codes in the Bible by counting like every seventh Hebrew letter or something like that to to give us secret prophecies and things, which I think is heresy. I don't think it's true. Um, let's see. Um Kabbalah means the secret of or hidden tradition, the unwritten law, and according to the, an early rabbi, it was delivered to man in order that through the aid of its abstruse principles he might learn to understand the mystery of both the universe about him and the universe within him. The origin of Kabbalism is a legitimate subject for controversy. Early initiates of the Kabbalistic mysteries believed that its principles were first taught by God to a school of his angels before the fall of man. The angels later communicated the secrets to Adam so that through the knowledge gained from an understanding of its principles, fallen humanity might regain its lost estate. The angel Raziel was dispatched from heaven to instruct Adam in the mysteries of the Kabbalah. This is according to Kabbalah. This is not in the Bible, by the way. Different angels were employed to initiate the succeeding patriarchs in this difficult science. Tophiel was the teacher of Shem, Raphael of Isaac, Metatron of Moses, and Michael of David. See the book uh, called Faiths of the World. Now, I want to quickly... Uh, point out a couple of things regarding this claim that angels uh, taught Adam secret knowledge. Um, quickly, I want to point to Genesis chapters 4 and 5, where it gets into genealogies of, of Cain and Seth. If you read those genealogies, the only one that has like these uh, new technologies or things is in the line of Cain where you get uh, um, the builder of tents and then one of them uh, creates music through the organ and harp uh, the uh, one is the instructor of every artificer artificer in brass and iron and the sister of Tubal Cain was uh, see uh, so some of these are only listed on the side of Cain when you get to the side of Seth, it doesn't really have any of those. Um, and so, uh, and that re that brought to mind Enoch 1. I, I told you I'd go back to Enoch. Now, I don't know if Enoch 1 is true or not, if there's any basis of truth on it. Um, I think that that uh, if, if any of Enoch is is true, the one that contradicts the Bible the least is Enoch one but again I'm not here to proclaim that Enoch is true but I find this kind of interesting 
Uh, in Enoch chapter 7, it talks about uh, the fallen angels mating with human women. Um, and then it, in verse 9, it says, These are the names of their chiefs. This is talking about the angels that swore uh, in the context. It just said that these angels swore upon it and bound themselves by mutual extractions. Uh, basically that they would do this thing, that they would mate with human women uh, together. But um, these are the names of their chiefs. Some Zaiza, who was their leader, uh, then it lists all these names. Um, then they took wives, each choosing for themselves, whom they began to approach and with whom they cohabited, teaching them sorcery, inc incantation, and the dividing of roots and trees. So um, it was through these, these fallen angels taught some of these hidden uh hidden wisdom so to speak or hidden occult and so it was really if it was fallen angels teaching this to human beings it was not a good thing um, but of course the way Manly P. Hall and Albert Pike present it and other occultists is that it was a good thing so um, I just wanted to point that out because I thought of that in in Enoch and like I read in Manly P. Hall's book that it was uh, that these angels taught Adam the mysteries of the Kabbalah. And I don't know if they taught Adam or if they taught Cain or even somebody a little later. Um, I'm just saying this is, or, you know, or if Kabbalah started at the Tower of Babel or if it really just started in the last few hundred years. I don't know. I mean, in terms of... Uh, the mystery schools um, but they claim it goes all the way back to that time Christian D Ginsburg was written quote from Adam it passed over uh, I'm sorry I'm back in uh, the secret teachings of all ages again from Adam to it passed over to Noah and then to Abraham the friend of God who immigrated with it to Egypt where the patriarch allowed a portion of this mysterious doctrine to ooze out uh, it was in this way that the Egyptians obtained some knowledge of it and the other Eastern nations could introduce it into their philo philosophical systems. Moses, who was learned in all the wisdom of Egypt, was first initiated into it in the land of his birth. But this is according to Christian D. Ginsburg again. This is not me talking. Um, was first initiated into it in the land of his birth, but be became most proficient in it during his wanderings in the wilderness when he not only devoted it to it the leisure hours of the whole 40 years but received lessons in it from one of the angels Moses also initiated the 70 elders into the secrets of this doctrine and they began they again transmitted them from hand to hand of all who formed the unbroken line of tradition. David and Solomon were most initiated into the, into the Kabbalah, unquote, by Christian D. Ginsburg. And I would like to say that I think that that is all false. I do not believe that uh, the, um, the mystery school teachings or the Kabbalistic teachings went through Abraham um, to Moses, who was initiated through the Egyptian mystery schools, which he may have, I don't know. But I really believe that Moses was against 
the gods of Egypt, that Abraham was against the pagan gods, and the teachings of Scripture are against the Kabbalistic teachings. So that's that's my opinion and belief, and I think that this is rewriting history. Uh, according to Eliphaz Levi, the three greatest books of Kabbalism are the Sefer Yetzirah, the Book of Formation, the Sefer HaZohar, the Book of Splendor, and the Apocalypse, the Book of Revelation. <laughs> they probably uh, twist that to mean something, which is interesting because I think that what they're trying to do is what the Bible or what Revelation calls evil. Uh, but anyway, the dates of the writing of these books are by no means thoroughly established. Kabbalists declare that the Sephar Yetzirah was written by Abraham, although it is by far the oldest of the Kabbalistic books. It was probably from the pen of the Rabbi Akiba. Um, the Sephar HaZohar presumably was written by Simeon ben jo- Jokai, a disciple of Akiba. Rabbi Simeon was sentenced to death about A.D. 161 by Lucius Verus, co-regent of the emperor Mark Aurelius Autonomous. He escaped with his son and, hiding in a cave, transcribed the manuscripts of the Zohar with the assistance of Elias, who appeared to them at inter- intervals. Simeon was 12 years old in the cave, during which time he evolved the complicated symbolism of the greater face and the lesser face while discoursing with disciples Rabbi Simeon expired and the lamp of Israel was extinguished his death and burial were accompanied by many supernatural phenomena the legend goes on to relate that the secret doctrines of Kabbalism had been in existence since the beginning of the world but that Rabbi Simeon was the first man permitted to reduce them to writing. Interesting how we just have to trust these gurus and these people that claim to have hidden knowledge. 1,200 years later, the book books which he had compiled were discovered and published for the benefit of humanity by Moses de Leon. The probability is that Moses de Leon himself compiled the Zohar about A.D. 1305, drawing his material from the unwritten secrets of earlier Jewish mystics. The Apocalypse, accredited to St. John the Divine, uh, I guess he's referring to Revelation now, is also of uncertain date, and the identity of its author has never been satisfactorily proved. Unless that's a different book, um, the Apocalypse, maybe that's a book accredited to St. John. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's not Revelation, but I don't know. Because, it's, because, because of its brevity and because of its, it is the key to Kabbalistic thought, the Sefer Yetzirah is reproduced in full in this chapter. So far as is known, the Sefer HaZohar has never been completely translated into English, but it can be obtained in French. Now, this is at the time that Manly P. Hall wrote it, so I don't know if that's changed now, but 
The Zohar contains a vast number of philosophical tenets, and a paraphrase of its salient points is embodied in this work. Few realize the influence exerted by Kabbalism over medieval thought, both Christian and Jewish. It taught that there existed within the sacred writings a hidden doctrine, which was the key to those writings. This is symbolized by the crossed keys upon the papal crest. And that reminds me of, in William Cooper's series, he claimed that the first pope was actually in the mystery schools and he just uh claimed christianity because he you know that was it was growing despite the fact they were persecuting christians um so they decided to use christianity um and interpret that and there was already gnostic christianity in the first century and and everything uh, scores of learned minds began to search for those arcane truths by which the race should be redeemed and that their labor was not without its reward, their subsequent writings have demonstrated. The theories of Kabbalism are an inextricably interwoven with the tenets of alchemy, hermeticism, Rosicrucianism, and Freemasonry. Uh, you know, um, William Cooper discussed Rosicrucianism as well. Uh, and, of course, Freemasonry is popularly in the truth movement known as a secret society. Uh, the words Kabbalism and Hermeticism are now considered as synonyms, terms, synonymous terms, covering all the arcana and exotericism of antiquity. The simple Kabbalism of the first centuries of the Christian era gradually evolved into an elaborate theological system which became so involved that it was next to impossible to comprehend its dogma. Like I said, they create, they make things so confusing that you have to go through their initiation to, so that they can tell you exactly what it means. And that's what a cult is. I mean, it is an occult, meaning hidden, but it's also cultish when you got leaders telling you that the only way you can understand what this really means it doesn't mean exactly what it says but it means something deeper and you have to kind of you can't understand it unless you know you go through our initiations <laughs> well i've gone a bit over an hour already so i'm going to leave it here this is just an introduction to this idea of Kabbalah and and I would encourage you to continue to research uh, that and not just take my word for it this is just the uh, you know 101 so to speak and uh, the next one will be on Gnosticism the or Gnostic Christianity I guess um, and uh, to be honest with you, as I'm speaking right now, I know very little about it, except that it was very prominent in the early church as an, and considered to be an apostasy. So I'm going to be doing research from fresh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and hopefully I'll be able to give you a good episode and, uh, you know, pray for me that... Uh, that God helps me to, to
to present these things in a clear manner. So, again, like always, if you have anything you want to tell me, email me at truthtransistorradio at gmail.com. All right. Thank you all and have a wonderful day. This is the most awesomest podcast of all time. I'm your host, Rob Hedrick. This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs 16, 18. Pride going before destruction.